there, everyone. I'm Joe, and I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to our Lincoln eFree podcast. We are grateful for your support to shine the light of Christ in every home and business in the Lincoln Lakes area and beyond. In case you're not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our bio. We hope you enjoy this week's message and encourages you and helps you to become the light that God designed you to be. With that, let's jump in. We all need words to speak and to be spoken to is part of being human. 16 weeks, a baby in a mother's womb can hear the mother's voice. The hearing is finely tuned throughout pregnancy and a connection is made with the mom and the baby. And at birth, there is a rebonding that happens because the baby has already heard its mother's voice, and there's a bond immediately. And at birth, the hearing is fully developed. Instantly, the development of language begins. Linguistic and scientific research has confirmed to us that every newborn has and can perceive the full set of 800 sounds or phonemes that can be strung together the form of all 7,000 languages. Essentially, this means that every infant is a natural-born linguist capable of mastering any of the world's 7,000 languages like a native. That just blows my mind. Just the genius of God. And constantly, as the baby is growing and developing, it's listening to the language around him or her. And an infant formulates a language word bank. And a few years later, with ease, a toddler can begin to speak with its parent, sibling, a playmate, or a stranger. Sequentially, as a baby is continually spoken to, he or she speaks. To speak and to be spoken to captures the part of what it means to be human. Strip that away and you deprive the human. In the 13th century, Emperor Frederick II conducted a study on infants who were raised from birth with little human interaction to see if they would discover a natural language. It was a vain attempt to figure out what language Adam and Eve were given. During the experiment, foster moms could only nurse and bathe the babies. They were strictly forbidden not to talk or all the goo-goo-ga-ga talk or warm smiles. As I alluded to, the outcome was devastating. The infants died from the lack of human interaction. When you're spoken to, or when you're not spoken to, I should say, you develop no voice. When you have no voice, the human is stripped away from you. We all need words and to speak and to be spoken to. But what our heart longs for is a singular word. This word moves us. This word grips us. It speaks to the human soul. 
This word does not expire, but it has a lifespan of eternity. This word takes shape and becomes tangible. The word we long for has put on flesh and has become the living definition of God with us. This morning, I'm going to be in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, but I'm going to jump around a little bit. I'll warn you. One thing you need in this Christmas season is not more words, but the word, Jesus Christ. And first, I'm going to paint a picture of the world, world that Jesus was born into, and then I'm going to look at some scripture and see the presence of the word throughout creation, the fall, the redemption, and the future restoration. And finally, invite us to retire our old language and adopt a new one. So allow me to paint a picture of the world that Jesus was born into. It's been quiet, too quiet. The words and the, and the, and the, 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 the messages that the teachers of the law and the Pharisees are giving in the synagogue just feel empty and redundant. And you begin to wonder if they are really speaking the truth. You even have the thought that you're not going to go to synagogue next week. You ask your parents what, you th what they think about the messages in the synagogue. And they, in their response, seem less convinced than even their parents were about going to synagogue. Even the elders in your community are speaking about how it's been nearly 400 years since they've heard a good word from God. Something that's pulled at their heart. Some of your friends tell you that God has stopped speaking, that God has forsaken us. You even start to hear rumors that the Pharisees in your town have created new laws within the law of Moses. Can they do that? Who gave them permission? And you're confused, and the world around you has changed as it's been, it been for your parents. It's changed in their parents. You feel the ache for God. And you want to hear from him. Will he not speak again? Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. You flip one page and then you have Matthew. And you begin the New Testament. It's just one page away. But in that one page away are 400 years of nothing being recorded. Some people will coin this as the 400 years of silence. Was God silent or didn't speak? Or was it God's people just put God on mute in that season? Either case, the generations came and left longing for God to speak clearly again. So what you have here when Jesus is born is a generation of God's people who do not know God's voice. And who are desperate to hear a word of God. As a reaction, there was a creation of their own world. The Pharisees in this intertestamental period were not really receiving the word of God or using the word of God to direct them. They actually started in the law of Moses, rewriting it, adding new laws... And therefore, the religious environment of that day was very uh, uh, 
legalistic. And so we have a religious atmosphere that is completely changed. The world that Jesus was born into was reimagined by those who used their own words to guide their futures. But this reimagination was from their own words, not the word. So whether it was God on silent or that God's people put God on mute, the sacred script was re-edited so many times that people were looking for a Messiah that did not exist. For example, when Jesus is born, most of the people cannot conceive that he was born in Nazareth. Even though their old prophets spoke that he would be called a Nazarene. Or another example, Pharisees' interpretation of Scripture concluded that the Messiah would be this powerful military leader that would wipe out their enemies and he would step back on the throne of David. However, Jesus led a small band of no-name misfits with a message like, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This was not what the people of this generation were expecting when they expected the Messiah, when they expected to hear a word from God. The word... The world wanted a word, but not the word. So I want to turn our attentions to Hebrew 1, 1 through 6. And just read this. I'm not sure if I have all the words here, but I'm going to read it. So when the uh, words stop, just keep listening. Cool. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. In the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you? Or again, I will be like him, I will be to him like a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. So here we have the picture of when God spoke In the Old Testament, when God brought a word, he specifically appointed prophets to deliver that message. There were certain people to be voice piece for God. We have like Moses, who often we see him entering the tent of meeting, his place where he meets with God. And then he comes out of the tent and he delivers what he just heard from God. In Numbers 12, 6, It describes how God's people, or how God spoke to the prophets. We see that it describes that God spoke in visions and in dreams. He spoke mouth to mouth with his prophets and was clearly clear in his language. And he did not use riddles. And so the prophet 
was often delivering not the greatest of news, often giving a word of God that people did not want to hear. And they were hunted down and killed often by God's own people. And then we have here later, it talks about the Old Testament, how God spoke in many times and in many ways. But now here in the New Testament, we have the ultimate word. We have Jesus Christ. And he speaks through his son. And the main difference here that we have is that God just doesn't appoint certain people to be able to hear the voice of God. When he introduced Jesus into the world, he gained access for everyone to hear God's voice who has a right relationship with Jesus. He opened that door. He doesn't pick a prophet because he is fully right. He doesn't pick someone for being fully righteous, pure, so that he could speak through you. He uses broken people like us now because we have a relationship with Jesus and opens that door. So now I want to rewind this script and take note of the presence of the word as we look back in history and move forward. So I'm going to jump into the time of creation. So just bear with me. Just try to follow along. So here in Genesis 1, 1 through 3. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Here we have a picture of God holding his breath. Earth is dark. It's formless. Empty. It's a blank canvas. And we have the picture of the Holy Spirit saying it's hovering over the earth. I just imagine the Spirit hovering over the earth, just imagining what God is going to make out of this chaos, out of this nothingness. And God then speaks a word. Let there be light. Immediately, the thought becomes a word, and the word becomes the effect. And light is created by a word from God. God speaks creation from nothing. God's word has the power to create. It's the only source that can bring something out of nothing. On the flip side, our power with words only has the power to design. We can make things look a little bit different with the creation that he's made. Just, just take it, for example, Genesis 1.28. God starts lining up all the animals in front of Adam. And he says, Adam, pick a name. And he names the creatures of the world. I mean, can you imagine, I mean, if a lion walks past uh, Adam and you say, oh, that looks like a kitten. We're going to name you Kitten. That would change the whole way we look at lions. He had great power to name things because when you name them, they become, they exist. Soon after, we have God presenting 
before that, sorry, before, uh, that was actually Genesis 2.19, but before that and 1.28, God gives Adam a mandate. He gives them instructions. He gives them instructions to be fruitful and multiply. Okay? Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over every living thing that moves. He gives them, he gives Adam and Eve responsibility to design, to cultivate the earth, to rule over the fish in the sea as they seem fit. That, that, that blows my mind of how much authority he's given man with his word. That was in a perfect world. But I just want you to realize that words, the words that we use to speak, shape the way we think about the world around us. Linguistic relativity. It's the particular language, realizing that our particular language that we use shapes the way we think about reality. You can, you can notice how language is changing these days and how it's changing the way we're viewing the world. It's happening. There's seven, over 7,000 languages being spoken across the world. That's like every language is its own solar system, its own world of viewing the world. Do you know what John 1.1 says in Spanish as God, or God is the word, Jesus is the word? It's actually God is the verb. The way that you think about that shifts how you view God. That God is not just a word, but a word with action. But you see as language, the language we use actually shapes the way we think about things. Words create language, and a language creates a culture. And that culture designs a world. As someone once put it, words design worlds. We need God's word to create a world we long to live in. A world that God intends to see come, his kingdom. I want to jump now to the fall of creation. Genesis 3, 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between the offspring of her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Here we have the fall of humanity. Adam and Eve disobeys God, ate from the fruit of which they were not supposed to. And their disobedience invokes our just God to serve out the consequences. Yet, in his kindness, in his love, in the giving of the consequences, he speaks a promise that becomes humanity's solution. God speaks a word about a son, about a baby, about an offspring. God spoke a word of promise. God speaks promises that he keeps. Often we make so many empty promises. I mean, the, the, the one that I often do is like, yeah, we're going to get together sometime. Did not even put anything in the calendar. Didn't even like try to follow up. We make empty promises all the time. God ultimately is the only one that can fill, fulfill every promise he makes. We cannot. 
Don't promise a gift this year that you don't intend to give, parents. I, I catch myself sometimes like Samuel looking at something like, oh, I want that. It's like, yeah, I can we'll get you. Well, I'll talk with my, my wife. I'll talk with mom. Right? With this, knowing that we cannot ultimately keep our promises, let our yeses be yes and our noes be noes. Let's try to be men and women of our word with the word guiding us. Jumping to John 1.14. We just read this in our Advent reading. Here we have, in him was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not overcome it. And then afterwards, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Here we have the materialization of what God spoke back in Genesis 3.15 that there would be an offspring to come. And the numerous prophecies told in the Old Testament, this was the fulfillment. The word of God who was there in the beginning, who was his voice that spoke creation into being, and who was spoken into the promise, was now living among man. The incarnate word Jesus spoke words that were foreign to our listeners and to his listeners It was like he was speaking another language. I gave some examples earlier, but he gave instructions and used language like, if someone slaps you in the face, turn the other cheek. Give them your other cheek. Slap and let them slap you. That is not what we want to hear. That is not language that comes natural to us. That's not our native tongue. The word of God was given, giving us a new language to create a new world. God was, Jesus was ushering new principles, new language to think about the world, think about ourselves, and to convey to the rest of the world who he is. God spoke redemption to our brokenness when he came and dwelled along, among us. We're broken people. We got issues, guys. I don't know if you've realized that. We got issues. I got issues. I mean, so we're going to go cut our Christmas tree up in the Chippewa National Forest, which I thought was maybe like an hour drive. Turned into be like two hours to find the Christmas tree in the forest. Um, And the words that I were using in the car with my kids created an environment of stress and uncomfortability, and it was just awful. I was unhappy. My wife became unhappy. My kids were screaming. And I'm like, what just happened? And I started to look inward. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I, um, the words that I'm using is not, not creating an environment that any of, all, any of us want to be in right now. We got issues. We have brokenness that needs healing. And when Jesus came and put on flesh, the word become flesh, he provided a way to heal that brokenness. And more importantly, right now, talking, our tongue needs redeeming. You guys, our tongue needs redeeming. The words that come of our mouth, 
often don't build people up. They're tearing, tearing people down. Even the, even the quiet curses under your breath over people are like, oh, how could they? Or just, just things, small things. Our tongue needs redeeming. And we got to let the word of God cleanse our tongue to give us a new language on our lips. And we can't get that unless we have the word of God, the Bible, instructing us of how we're supposed to speak of people, how we're supposed to speak of the world. We want to have a language of praise, language of kindness, humility. Let God's word guide you in that. Okay, one last scripture. Isaiah 58, 12. So we have the word speaking into creation. We have the word speaking at the fall. We have the word speaking at redemption of humanity. But there's also a word for our future restoration. Here it says, verse 12 of 58 in Isaiah, And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt, and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. This passage, we have God speaking to Isaiah with a message to the people of God. To speak the future restoration of Israel, but also the future restoration of this world. Ephesians 9s talk about how it's not just Jesus came to save us from our sins, but to sum up all things in heaven and in earth under Christ, under Jesus. If you're looking at the world and saying, it's, it's, it's going to H-E double hockey sticks, <laughs> I don't think that's what God sees. He sees a world where he wants to see his kingdom reign that people still need saving, and there is still good for us as humanity to do. If we just think we got our ticket for salvation, sit back and relax, we're just going to wait until the chariots come and pick us up. I mean, I don't think that's what God wants, to become passive. He wants us to speak future restoration. He wants to speak the kingdom of God into every corner of this world. We have a part to play in this. As I mentioned earlier, life and death is in the tongue from Proverbs 18.21. Our words can build things up. They can rebuild the ancient ruins. They can build up the generations for a brighter future. God will speak future restoration with his word. We all need words. But may I suggest this Christmas season that we need the word, Jesus Christ, the ultimate word of God. You need the word because it creates everything out of nothing. So that when you see no escape or no other solution in your life, God creates one. And he has a solution for you. You need the word because it's in a, sea, in a sea of empty promises that we live in as a world. He keeps his promise. 
So when you're feeling alone, you can remind yourself that he promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You need his word. You need the word because it redeems your brokenness. So that when you're face to face with the ugliness that you see in the mirror, God says, I've forgiven that. I still love you. Or when you feel offended by the relative or friend this Christmas season, you too can forgive because you've been forgiven much. You need the word because it, stick, it speaks the hope of future restoration to this world. So that you know to the core of you, though the world may seem like it's getting worse and worse, the best is yet to come. I heard it said once that whatever you deem spiritual gets the best of you. So what if we regarded our words, the words that we speak, as a spiritual discipline? I want you guys to take inventory of the words you speak around your house, your workplace, the words that you speak to your children, are these words building up the people around me? Or are they tearing them down? Are my words conveying how God sees people and not how I see people? Because if I look at people, I can see the worst of them, but God sees the best often. And I want you to retire your old language. So you take inventory of what you're speaking. And if you isolate something like, yes, that is a teardown word, retire it. Retire it. Those words do not align with God's kingdom or his word. And adopt a new language for communicating. You've got to find out, though, first what God does say about mankind. What does God say when you believe that you are, what, a new creation? The old is gone, the new has come. We need language, but if we're not in the word, we're not going to develop the language we need. There's no room here for laziness with our words. The stakes are too high. You're either speaking to tear down or you're speaking to build up. I find great pleasure in, in seeing uh, our teenagers use their voice. Last Wednesday, we had a high school senior girl get up and, and share a message. That's what we've been doing at Youth Group a little bit. We've been trying to have our students speak. And whenever I hear my students give a talk, it just, I, I just beam because I see them gaining their voice. I see them using the frequencies that God gave them to articulate who he is, what he has done. And the way that we use our language, the ways that we use our words can design a world of how we see things. So words are super important. 
God values your voice. And God values how you use it. As this Christmas season kicks off, let the word of God guide your words. We don't need more words in this world. There are so many words floating around social media, the news. There's just so much information. We don't need more words. Our soul can't take it. We need a word. We need Jesus Christ, the word. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about Lincoln E. Free Church here in the Lincoln Lakes area, you can go check out our website, lincolnefree.org, and you can give us a follow on Facebook. Have a great week.